and welcome to Locate, Negotiate with John Gibson talking real estate. I'm your co-host, Mark Warren Gibbo. Welcome. And you know what? Our last episode, Luke Rickardson, what a wonderful chat. We flipped it and we're going to have our special guest at the top of the show, but lovely to see you, mate. Good to see you, Mark. We're going south. We're going into Victoria this, this week, mate. So I'm looking forward to this chat. We're crossing the border. We are. With the, Me- yeah. with the Mexicans. Absolutely, mate. Well, let's introduce our special guest this way. A retired AFL superstar. His career at Hawthorne spanned 17 years and is one of the country's most notable AFL personalities. Five-time Premiership player, uh, three-times member of the Team of the Year, Brownlow medalist, Australian Football Hall of Fa- Fame inductee, Patrolled the wings with flair and a toughness that became folklore at Glenferry. Channel 7 boundary rider, 96 through 2001. He was one of football's great characters of the 80s and one of its fiercest customers. Appeared on many sports shows, John, uh, and panellist, official commentator, working with the AFL in the Auskick program, flying doctors, neighbours. Imagine having this bloke as your neighbour. I'm a celebrity, get me the hell out of here. But most recently, he's hosting his own program. If I say his name, well, we will anyway. Dipper's Backyard Barbecue Wars on Channel 7, mate. It's a very big welcome to locate, negotiate Robert Dipper Domenico. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Good morning, Gibbo. And uh, was it there? Was it a Mexican? Was it, I look like a Mexican? <laughs> well, actually, if is, you put a song. Is that because of the moustache? Well, hey, thanks a- for having your show, boys. I uh, really appreciate it. And. Uh, uh, yeah, really looking forward to having a bit of a chat. Yeah, thanks, Dibba. Look, just I just want to start off. Dibba, you were born in Hawthorne to parents who immigrated from Italy. I forget the name of that. How joke. do you say that town, Dibba? The village? Abadeggio. Abadeggio. I wish I had a go at it. No, now. I did. I tried, to, I, tried to, <laughs> I tried to pronounce it, but I was a little tough, so I just thought I'd uh, ask the question yeah, there. Yeah. Mm. Can I ask you, why did, why did they move to Australia and – how did you end up in Hawthorne? Well, that's a really good question. And every time I do a bit of a speaking, uh, you know, part, I, I I always talk about my parents. I mean, how did I end up on the uh, you know, on the MCG in the middle of the, of the greatest ground on, on earth? Is I think anyway. It's because um, my dad in nineteen fifty four. Um, there's three. There were four brothers and three sisters in the town of called Abadajong. And uh, my dad's, uh, well, my grandfather at the time said, listen, there's not a lot of work in the village, so I need you to, to get out. And uh, so he sent mm. Stefano, my father, to Australia. He sent uh, Uncle Vincent to, to France. And he sent uh, Uncle Mario to uh, America. And oh. Uncle Rocco stayed uh, in in the village uh, because we had the, um, the bakery, like, you know, the, the real old old time bakery there, and uh, and uh, so in 1954, my dad came over here, found some found some work uh, because obviously the Olympics was sort of around the corner here in Melbourne, and he hooked up with about five or six guys. They rented a house in Richmond, and then he married my mother, who was uh, so um, two sisters married two brothers, uh, and um, and dad's a uh, 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 dad was in Australia, so he married mum over the phone. And uh, and and uh, Uncle Rocco, who's who's back in um, in Italy, stood in for uh, for my dad. So Mum came home fifty six, and they bought a house in Hawthorne, which was a working class area at the time. 
um, in, 19, uh, in 1956 when, when mum came over. I was born in 58 and, uh, you know, that's how I got sort of zoned to the Hawthorne area. So did you live most of your life in Hawthorne? Yeah, I did, yeah. I, I lived all my life in Hawthorne and uh, um, when cause dad and mum were factory workers and mum uh, worked down in Richmond, which is the next suburb to, uh, to Hawthorne, and dad worked in Hawthorne himself. He was a printer. Uh, so, uh, yeah, 71 Mason Street, Hawthorne, that's uh, where it all began. And what, what, what do you like about Hawthorne? I think Hawthorne at the time was a really working class. Richmond, Hawthorne, Connywood, Preston, Carlton, all those names that you know, they're all working class uh, migrant areas, mm. uh, especially uh, Carlton, because obviously Ligon Street, and, you know, when the Italians came in the 50s, they, they sort of took over that place and made that a, like a little... Uh, Italy, and I was sort of brought up in that uh, area and um, and era. Um, I just love the Hawthorne. I mean, now you can't buy a house in Hawthorne. Oh, that's right. I mean, being unbelievable, only, yeah, unbelievable. Seven. It's really turned into um, you know uh, a great suburb, and, and uh, but I just love living around there. One, we had a park across the road, right? Yep. My next door neighbour to the left was Yugoslavian, and my next door uh, uh, neighbour to my right was Greek, uh, and uh, obviously for a bit of Canon background, and the two boys ended up playing National Soccer League where I went to the VFL, or AFL at the time, you know? Dipper, I'm down to digress a little bit, go back to recap on some of what you said. Uh, You were married over the phone. Uh, Sorry, mum and dad married over the phone, uh, if, if I got that correct, yes? Correct. And that reminds me of a Telstra commercial, does it not, back in the day? Do you remember that? (laughs) That's just so beautiful. That is so beautiful. Um, And, uh, yeah, very, very lovely stuff. Um, Melbourne, mate, um, the food, the wine, the fashion, the culture, the infrastructure, leave us for you-know-what. Just the weather's a problem down there, but it's a beautiful, beautiful city. Hang on, hang on. It's stopped raining here for about six months. Hang on, if you look at the weather... We haven't had rain. Not like you guys. You've had rain for the last three months. Well, Dipper, I live at Cronulla. I think we had 80 mils last night. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable, yeah. mate. So, I'm living down the beach at the moment and I'm looking over the water and I've got to say the fog is, uh, is, is rising. It's going to be a most beautiful day today. You're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you are. So, so Dipper, you... Sorry to interrupt. Sorry, this yeah. is your show, not mine. Go on. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. You signed... Up for the VFL at the age of eighteen, was there always a driving ambition to play in the elite level? No, no. Like, you know, when you grow up um, playing, well, look, okay, let's just wind back. I was a kid who was very hyperactive, still is today, but I didn't know what it was back in then. These days, they call it AHD or DH, mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? Okay, I was a kid with with a very bad stutter. Now I make a living out of speaking. So you imagine me with a name like Dipier Domenico <laughs> exactly. and hyperactive. Like the way for me to get amongst the Anglo-Saxons and in a part of this great country was to play sport. And I, I had a go at everything, like at school, you know, um, running, jumping, skipping, hopping, swimming, you name it, I just wanted to be part of it because, you know, that, that's a great part of our country because we love our sport and our sports personalities in this country. And and we love them for the you know the direction they they give other people and 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 that sort of gave me the opportunity to 
become who I, well, I suppose who I am today. Like you know, I'm I'm um, I'm very fortunate. I I work you know, on the brand now. I, I work very hard as a brand gipper, uh, and um, and I can be myself. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's all because of those younger days and having a starter. Um, you know, I worked really hard. Can you imagine me schoolboys, you know, trying to pick up a sheer like going And in this class, I mean, I was in the bad boy school, but my attention span was was nothing. And I went, and plus I haven't started. So look, end of the day, um, you know, school wasn't a, a school for me was to get out there and, and do, you know, Visual education and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Dipper, before before Dipper became a brand, mm. and when you kick things off playing in the in the VFL, mm. so how did you earn a quid? Well, back well, I was lucky enough to get to Hawthorne at that early age, in, uh, early seventies, eighteen years of age, right? And then I was sort of I, I was going to school, obviously, but. You know, I got my first job when I was about 18 and a half or whatever out of uh, Hawthorne because they had sponsors who would, you know, give the boys a job and whatever. And I was um, a tie fitter. I, I learned how to fit ties and mm. and do, uh, you know, the tie stuff, which I absolutely loved because of the fact now if I see a, uh, anyone with a, a trouble uh, uh, with a tie, I stop and, and, you know, and replace it because it's something I've learned and, and learned how to... And, how to work with my hands and whatever, and then it, it just went on from there. I, I've never, I, I've never been a planner. I've never, even today, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Uh, well, I know what I'm doing, but I'm just, uh, you know, I've never sort of planned, you know, one month or two months ahead or whatever. I just live day by day, and I just love that that energy that I can put out there. But to earn, earn a quit, I had to go to everything. I was a paper boy, I was a butcher boy, I was a chemist boy, yeah. I was a tie fitter. Um, I, 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 I've done everything. I used to work at the abattoirs, during the school holidays, uh, any, anywhere where I could, um, you know, be part of a, a community and uh, and learn and you know, and with your mates, you know. Did you did you happen to bump? Did you happen to bump your man Sam Kekovich in your travels at the abattoirs? Was he hanging? <laughs> was he hanging around <laughs> with the lambs? Yeah, the lambs. <laughs> I mean, it's just been great to have lambs. Uh, I mean. Uh, Sam Kickwich, what a character! What, oh, a, what a we'll get what him a on the show, Gibbo. We'll yep. get Sam on the show. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're no, terrific. I'm, I'm trying to get to be the pork man or the seafood man <laughs> or something. Well, I became actually, I did a, a commercial up there, you know, Lowe's at Lowe's yes. uh, right. uh, with the That's boys, right. uh, and uh, and then I ended up being a, a faithful uh, a Dimmies, which is like a Lowe's down here, and um, and I've become a bit of a um, an Australian icon through the Dimmies commercial. With a um, uh, with a cash cry, you know, give me the forges, be there, you know? <laughs> and everybody just goes, you know, exactly like Lowe's when the boys do the Lowe's ads, you know, at Lowe's, you know, it's, it's uh, look a lot of fun, and, and what great opportunity and, and the opportunity the doors open for you because, you know, um, you know, I get a phone call and just say, can you come and do this, or someone sees you as a as a brand or something like that, and and, and they want to be part of your um, a company and family. It's just been awesome, yeah. Hey, Dipper, we all know Italians love their bricks and mortar. At what age were you thinking, oh, I should dabble in a bit of property? I never thought about property. My dad did. Oh, I can imagine my dad. 
hey, you go, you go work and you pay cash, all right? You not go to the bank, you pay cash. Like I pay cash for this house, you know? What are you doing with your money? If you had all your money, you could buy the Ferrari, the cash, and the house. Dad, but Dad, you know, I just live, I, I live by the day. Look, sometimes you think about it and you go, wow, you know? I mean, when you... Um, so you, so, you, so you had those conversations around yeah. the dinner table, you know, it was like about regarding finances? Oh, no, I don't have the conversation. I get told the conversation, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know what are you doing with your money? Yeah, uh, I, 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 I just bought some grouse shoes and I've just bought these Well, it's hard when you're back. Jackets. It's hard back then when you're in your teens and in early. Yeah, yeah. Early, you're, not, you're only thinking about three things, going out, spending your right. money, getting the right clothes, all those, going on the yeah, disco. And, 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 yeah, Pretty and, much. And because I was playing at the highest level at the time at 18, can you imagine, you know, like, yeah, things just start to open up and, you you know, you're, you're out there playing the, you're playing footy, trying to make a name for yourself um, or, you know, trying, just trying to win a game and then you go out. And, you know, the 80s, well, the, the mid-70s, the 80s and the 90s that I played in, the three decades, they're all different decades, but there was no phones, there's no stuff that the guy's got to go through today and, and, and life has changed so much today. You can't do this, you can't say that, whatever. It was there was a lot of freedom back in the day, I thought. I'm going to step in right there and just do a little live read here or a credit. We are talking real estate with John Gibson, locatenegotiate.com.au. He's your managing director. I'm Mark Warren, your co-host. And when we drop, actually, Gibbo's about to go on a trip to New Zealand. More on a more on that later. Um, you mentioned the great MCG. I've got to tell you, as, as rugby league people here in Sydney, Dipper, I'm pretty sure John and I are pretty close in age. Uh, for what it's worth, um, you mentioned the MCG, the great lady. I can tell you it was all about rugby league, but my memories, I can still see you in that jersey. I can still, my memories of the 80s include yourself. Uh, uh, just just wonderful, wonderful scenes at, at the great lady. Right. Well, thank you. Um, <coughs> you know, I've also, you know, as, as growing up in the 80s, in the great eras of the 80s of rugby league and AFL or VFL, you know, meeting some of the greats, uh, you know, it's just been, you know, a good friends of mine, Roy Lewis, and uh, you've got, you know, uh, Big Paul, and, you, and, and you've got, uh, um, uh, you know, all the great names over the years, and, you know, Fatty Morton and, and you know, big Steve Roach and and uh, it's just great to be able to connect with those guys and we're connecting today as well because I run a, 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 a an organisation called GBS Good Bloke Society yeah. and we talk about men's health and, and we have a great time we go play golf and, and uh, we have functions and, uh, and Steve Roach and all the boys always love to be involved as well and it was just good times and you know and for the game that the rugby league was, and the game that AFL or VFL at the time was, it was different. It was hard, um, you know, but it was great. It was just great, absolutely, absolutely great. So, Dipper, just digressing back, your first property you bought was it in Hawthorne? Uh, the first property I bought, no, it wasn't in Hawthorne. It was a, a place called Baronia, which was yep. about um, twenty odd k's out of uh, out of um, well from Hawthorne. Out in the, in, the, in the sticks a bit, you know, a couple of acres. I bought yep. a house there. My family grew up there, and um, you know, and then we've sort of been buying little properties around the place. But uh, I've never been a, a, a. I mean, I, I don't think it's too late either. But 
you need to know what the business is and you need to talk to the right people, like yourselves, of course, um, about property. But it was more for me about um, my family and growing up. You know, I was just look. I was just looking at in Hawthorne. Yeah, the median price now. Well, you've just been to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The median price is about one point six in Hawthorne million. But mm. I was down there. I was actually speaking to a client who was looking at a property, and it ended up just selling for six million in Hawthorne. Amazing. So if you go back to, I'm a bit of a stats man here. I know. If you go you back are. to about 1997. Yeah. The median price in Hawthorne was three hundred and sixty grand. Yeah. Your old place down two rack. Yeah, but look how much uh, life has changed as well. I yeah. mean, you know, you can, you know, <laughs> I remember back in the days, boys, with the drink cards with Benny Elias and all the boys, you know, would, don't matter what state you were and whatever, you catch up with the guy, you, you get a drink card, yeah, a 500 bucks drink card back in the 80s, right? Yeah. You know, today, you couldn't buy three champagnes for 500 bucks, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's plenty. There's plenty happening down there. I was just when I was just down there recently. I was just doing a bit of a, a, a bit of a look around for a client. For well, it's a national retail client, and uh, I was down at uh, Richmond, down the uh, Nunna Wadding, down the Golden Mile. There, you know that dip. Yeah. And uh, over the other side near uh, Essendon, Ascot Vale, Maryborough. I love St All Kilda that. Dipper. I love St yeah, Kilda. Can we get uh, to the Esplanade? There, Can we get to the Esplanade there? And there's a little Japanese beer garden next door. Goes very well. Goes very well. And Riva, I suppose you went to Riva as well. I went there. I went there about a decade ago with a mate of mine on a New Year's Eve, and I will say one of the biggest storms I've ever seen <laughs> hit on <laughs> hit on New Year's Eve. Yeah, four seasons yeah. in one day off Port yeah. Phillip Bay. <laughs> well, I live down the um, morning the peninsula, and uh-huh. talk about properties, right? Now, Morning, I've had houses down there for a little while. Now, Morning Peninsula, I bought my first house down there around about for two hundred sixty thousand. It's brand new, right? Uh, and, uh, and I had to get a mortgage for it and that sort of stuff. And then, um, but now, like yeah. especially in the last two years or three years, you know the property rises, and you can't get a property down there now. No. You cannot. And the median prices, if you look up Rye and Blegary and all those places, I think the median prices back in the day was up maybe. Two hundred thousand. Now it's up to one point three, one point four million. It's just a, it's just ridiculous, but a good for those people. You know, a lot of migrants, a lot of migrants, they're very smart people. Back in the fifties and the sixties, went down there because it was sort of all bush down there, or whatever. Mm. And they and they bought properties and they and they bought um, you know uh, little shops and whatever. And a lot of families have been going down to Mori Peninsula for all you know, caravan parks or whatever. Now. It's the place to go. You can't get, you can't buy and rent in. If you want to rent down there, it's just ridiculous. You're, mm. you're paying six, seven hundred dollars just for a, you know, a medium house. You know. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's been a real trend around, um, especially on the east coast of Australia, mm. especially through this pandemic. Property prices mm. in these regional areas have just gone exponential. It's quite mm. amazing, mm. really. I want to ask you, Dipper, like if you had a if you were going away for a weekend down there, you had to jump in the car. Where are you mm-hmm. going? You're going to the Morning Peninsula, or where else are you going? Well, Victoria's uh, quite uh, quite awesome. I mean, you know, we we've got some, you know you got some great beaches up there, the Northern Beaches, and so Cronulla, where you are now. I mean, down here, the Morning Peninsula has so much. It's got about 13, 14 high class golf. Courses. Yep. I mean, I live Absolutely. you know, Nashville, the Port Sea, uh, the Rosebud. Uh, 
now, all those great courses are just around there, right? Now, you've got about 24 wineries, which is, you know, a, a, Whoa. just a stone throw away, mm. uh, right? And then you've got, you know, so many things you can do down there. You've got the back beach, Gunner Matters and whatever, and then you've got the front beach with the Sandy Rye and Blake Arie and Sorrento and Portsea. And then you can get the ferry across. There's only a, a, yep. like a half an hour spin on the ferry, which is quite beautiful. And you end up like at Ocean Grove, Bowen Heads, uh, Torquay. Of course, so you've got uh, your Bells Beach down there. So and, and the fishing is amazing around there. So I'd be heading down there for a weekend. If you're a golfer or if you're not, there's wine. There's so much to do with families as well. Yeah. John sort of stole my question there, but it's, it's fine because we're going to talk some AFL as well. But So I step off a plane for the weekend. But yeah. let's keep it in the city, right? Because we just went for a little bit of a tour <laughs> then. And you're my host. So, yeah. right, I'm going to a wedding. Take us on a journey. Where's the first place do I go? And don't say the divorce court. <laughs> Being proactive. Where are we going? Take me on a three-day journey in the city of Melbourne. In the city of Melbourne, well, the city of Melbourne is, is quite unique because right now a lot of side lanes and bars are open in an area. There's a new area going to be open very shortly that uh, you'd walk in and you think you are in Italy. They've taken wow. over nearly 300,000 square metres and wow. there's like, you know, it, it, it's like you are in, in Venice or in Rome. Or it's like, in the, it's like the Venetian in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's like the Venetian. Yeah, you go in there and that beautiful, you know, the, uh, the yeah the restaurants there. You're sitting there eating the salami and and you know and and oil on bread and all that sort oh, of stuff. And, God, and I'm hungry. You walk out and you're in Vegas, right? You know. Yeah. But we'll, we'll go down there and have a bit of a bowl and a, a pasta and have a bit of a wine there. Then I think you know what you've got to go to the MCG to the museum of the MCG. Now, when that I had a restaurant yeah. in back in the day. I used to tell people, go, yeah, you've got to go to the MCG Museum. You can spend half an hour in there or you can spend nine days in there. If you love your sport, cricket, is, uh, cricket, Olympics, football, rugby league, you name it. I mean, yeah, don't forget, um, there was 90,000 people, I think in the 90s, when um, when uh, the boys come over and played their state of origin. Mm. And, and there was 90,000 plus at the MCG. I remember that night I had a, I had a restaurant, so it would have been, 89, 90, and Roachie and the boys came back to my restaurant, and Roachie had blood on his on his number eight <laughs> jumper, and I framed it and put up in, put up in my restaurant. I still got it home, you know, it's quite funny. My father so was calling the it. match, and he had he had blood on his shirt, and he wasn't even playing. <laughs> <laughs> it broke out. It broke out at the MCG. Yeah, well, I take it to the MCG, obviously, and then and then you can go to Carlton, you can go down to Richmond, um, and then you know. At night time, there's so many places to go. And multicultural, I could take you into, you know, into a little Italy. I could take you in, into uh, Greek, uh, you know, Greek food. or uh, Now at Oakley, a little bit more uh, further out, it's become a rural eating area for a lot of the, mm. um, um, you know, Israeli food and all that sort of stuff. Like it's, a, it's quite unique, but it's always going to be around sport here. I'll take you to Flemington. I'll go to the races of Flemington. Uh, it's, you know, I think I think Derby Day is the greatest race day on the calendar. I've hosted three Melbourne Cup tours, and it's just amazing. I, I, yeah. you, know, you know America, and they, I, when they talk NFL and they have the car park party, well, yeah. the, the car park party at, at Derby Day, it's just amazing. Is it not, well, Dipper? 
Well, I went to uh, I went to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, uh, over state, and went to LA, of course, and spent a week in LA and, and all the parties around the place. And then ended up going to uh, to uh, the tailgate parties that you yes. mentioned. Yes, yes, thousands of people. Barbecues, doing their barbecues, and they like. And you know, I love it. my barbecuing. So I went around, checked everything out. Uh, it was great to go to the Super Bowl. It was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'll be taking that around sport. I appreciate wine, it. I really uh, appreciate and, uh, it. Tell you what, the tennis is pretty good in January, yeah. isn't it? The tennis is pretty good well, in January. That, the tennis. Well, it's good any time. Really. Oh, absolutely, yeah, no, absolutely. But it's just a, that's well, a, just another too, so. another great event they have down there. You've done plenty of community work. I read that you said staying active in the community is the key to creating more cherished stories in life. Yeah. Can you take us in that area because you you do so much charity and community? Well, so here we are, right? So um, you know, I played with the footy for the Hawks. Had a great era at the Hawks. Beautiful people. Great culture at the Hawks. I mean, my life, my life, yeah, you know, from a young hyperactive stutterer, you know, with a long name, walk into Hawthorne. Who's to know I was going to be there 18, 19 years of my life, um, and walked out as a man uh, and had some great people around me. Um, uh, one thing I've, I've always remembered is that of where I, I come from, you know, we've always got to give people a chance to, to show their wares, and, and I was lucky enough that people uh, believed in me. I, and don't worry, I, I've had more downs than ups, and, uh, you know, mm. uh, but when those downs are down, you, you learn from them, and when those ups are up, you try and uh, enjoy them as much as you can. So here I am, um, at the time, I was the Auskick ambassador. Auskick is our junior program. So I, I travelled right across Australia. I've been to 3,500 Auskick centres. You imagine that over nearly wow. nine years, you know, under Ayers Rock. Um, on, uh, uh, everywhere everywhere you look, there's an Auskick centre, right? So I met this lady. Her name was Tanya Ozell. She's a, a Sydney lady. She's a Jewish lady. Knows nothing about AFL football except for this. Her son, Heim, at the time, was 12 years of age. And he took up footy. He asked his mum, can I get out of the Jewish community? Can I go and play with my mate's footy? And he was quite good at it, guys. And uh, all of a sudden, her mum, or his mum said, look, if, if this makes my son happy, why can I take this game to the world? And she was in an uh, organisation uh, in, um, in Israel. And um, anyway, a long story cut short, she met me. And she wanted, and, and we have a competition called International Cup every three years. We have countries that play our game. We have nearly 32 countries now that play our game. Not expats, but play our game. And in, in, in 2006, it was the first one. Um, anyway, a long story cut short, she met me. I ended up coaching the team. I ended up in Israel, boys. I ended up in Jerusalem. Wow. I ended up in Bethlehem. I'm floating on the Dead <laughs> Sea. All because of this Red Sharon. Right, wow. and brought Palestinians and Israelis together. There's 16 boys from each side. I wouldn't know who who's who. They both, or they all dress the same and ear pods in their heads and whatever. But these people do not talk to each other. And you know, uh, uh, you know, having spoken with for two and a half thousand years, and here I am trying to put a football team together, and they don't know how to play our game, and, and we have to teach them. They came out, they came out to Australia. We raised money through the community. 
through the Palestinians and the Israeli community. And they came out and uh, and they played under one banner for the peace team. Yeah, yeah it's very, very... Because of sport. It's a very complex society over there. And if you can bring it very all complex, together through you, sport, it's pretty, uh, pretty special. I want to ask yeah. you... Um, you, you've had a lot of involvement with charities, many worthy organisation charities over the years, Alana Adelan Foundation. More recently, you mentioned earlier about the Good Bloke Society, and I've been involved in this in the last couple of events. I enjoyed, I enjoyed yes, a, a, a luncheon down there. My cans just went on me, but we just keep going here. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic was, function. Yeah, no, yeah. great, great function and a great cause. And I think it's you're onto something really good here. Can you just expand a little bit more on the Good Bloke Society? Well, the Good Life Society, there was uh, three of us called Sean, Mark, uh, Sean, Steve and Dipper. And we're all good friends. And we're sitting down and, and we love going to races. We love playing golf and we love our work and we love connecting people. And we thought, look, why do we, uh, it's a lot of business clubs and whatever, but think about what it was about seven, six years ago. Things about mental health was starting to come through. And, and of course, down here in Melbourne, we went through, you know, the lockdown. We were locked down for seven months, boys, you know? Yeah. A lot of us... Uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't work for seven months because of the or two years, really, because you know I'm in the I'm in the function, you know, business and commercials and other bits and pieces. So companies weren't weren't getting out there and promote their products. So you know, it was it was bloody hard, and it was hard on your families and hard on your friends. You couldn't see anyone, so we decided that we sit back and go, yeah, let's get some of the boys together and uh, let's start just quietly about talk about mental health. And you know, I get up and tell my story. And, you know, a lot of people didn't know about my story, you know, and as I was saying to you before, you know, I've, I, I have more down days than up days. Yeah. Uh, even today, like, you know, I'm, I'm 64 now. I can't believe it anyway, but I'm 64. I'm very uh, energetic. I'm very uh, out there. I'm very busy, which is great. But you know what? There are days I just want to lock myself up, you know, yeah. and just don't want to don't want to see anyone, don't want to talk to anyone. So that's what we want men to get out and talk about. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, because we are the providers. I mean, we are great providers for our families. But on the other side of it, you know, the, the wives, the, the, the sisters, the mothers, you know, they got to they got to put up with us as well. You know, our moods and while they're trying to run a household or or while they're trying to work as well. So the community has changed, and what we're trying to do is bring people together, tell these stories, and and have support. And I've yeah. got to tell you, you know, like the other day I had to go to Wagga. One of the GBS members up at Wagga, Tommy, um, he met me at the airport. He gave me he gave me his car. So I had to go to Griffith. I went to Griffith, had his car for a couple of days, came home uh, to Wagga, gave his car back. It was just a great connection, you know, little things like that. And we raised money for, for a lot of causes. Um, and sometimes the causes, boys, it isn't just about the, the, uh, the money side of it. It's about, um, you know, what the causes are all about. And I think, well, I didn't know that, or I want to know more about that. So I'm, I'm really happy you guys have uh, experienced it, yeah. and uh, we're getting bigger and stronger, and, um, and uh, you know, uh, we really look forward to uh, spending a lot of time in all across Australia. Dipper, I, I want to say to you, because I think it's, you know, it ain't weak to speak, and um, we have Are You OK? And as a sufferer myself, um, congratulations on the work you're doing there, because... You know, it's okay to ask for help and you can save a life. And we've, we've spoken about that here. John, yeah, um, let's go back okay. to the footy. LocateNegotiate.com.au Property Advisors. John Gibson's Locate Negotiate. Buyer's agent, seller's advocacy. 
consultancy and research service, tenant and business representation, you simply go to locatenegotiate.com.au. This is Talking Real Estate with John Gibson. Dear Bart, is your proudest moment in football uh, the 89 grand final in which you contributed enormously to that game um, and you went over Geelong? You did suffer a punctured lung in that game. And two broken ribs. <laughs> and malaria. And malaria? <laughs> you just come back from Bali, did you, or something? <laughs> No, no, look, look, my proudest moment in footy is playing the game. Like, yeah. as a young boy, just playing the game, end up on the MCG and, you know, lucky enough to win premierships and all the, and, you know, the team environment and the makeshifts that you do. And that's, and that is real good because that's one thing that when you retire, that's what you miss. You have that locker room stuff, right? You know, I mean, you boys have been around uh, locker rooms all your lives. You know, that you know, that banter or the bits and pieces. Then yeah, I mean you go out and play and do what you do, but it's the banter after camaraderie but, of just being with your mates, yeah. you know. But mm. also going for one purpose and you know, in those early mid seventies as a young boy and um, you know, learning my trade and, you know, seventies football was bloody hard, don't worry about that. You know, as a young as a young fella and as somebody else uh, in that club thinking that you're gonna take their position you know, they, they knock you around a bit and you learn pretty quickly back in the day. We used to have mouth guards in and, oh, my God, it was great, great times. But why do we do it? We do it to win grand finals, correct? Yeah, right? That's what we do it for. All the, all the hard work, the injuries, the, the, everything you go through and your family is to get on there one day on the ground to win a grand final, right? No matter what sport it is, netball, tennis, you name it, all the bloody hard work, it doesn't happen. But we were lucky enough to... And my first one was in 1978. I was 19 or so. You know, I got best on ground and all the bits and pieces to go with that. And then building the name for yourself. And then we played seven grand finals in a row. Can you imagine that? I think Canberra at the same time with Mum and England and the boys. Mm. I think they played three or four, didn't they? In the, in the, in the, in the 80s? Uh, but, and late 80s, absolutely. Yeah, late, late 80s, 80s yeah. Yeah, same with us, you know. So, yeah. so 83 we won, 84 we lost, 85 we won, 86 we won. 87, we uh, we we lost. 88, we won. Then 1989, the one you mentioned. Even though we played seven grand finals in a row, mm. we didn't win all of them, right? Okay? You win one, you lose two. So win two, lose one. But no Hawthorne sides ever won back-to-back. And that's one thing that the Melbourne, Collingwood, Richmond's, Carlton's in the past have all done that, even Essendon. And no Hawthorne sides ever did that. So even though we made grand finals, we still had another goal to win back to back, and that was the '89 Grand Final. With everything goes through that, that that game, win, lose, or draw, you want to be on that ground with your mates, knowing that you're playing that back to back. You know, and then um, you know, well, I do it again, bloody hell. You know, I spent nine days in I spent nine days in hospital uh, on the seventh day when I rose. Uh, we had. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you laughing about? Two people have done it. Oh dear. Come on, man. Uh, it was Ablett Senior that got you, correct? A ball of muscle. Wow. Yeah, ball of muscle. And uh, don't worry. There's three words you don't want to hear in our game, right? Yeah, yeah tell me. Because you know the game, you can't look left, you can't look right, you can't look behind you, and it's 360 our game, right? There's three words you don't want to hear. It's your zipper. <laughs> <laughs> when the ball's up in the air, now we've got to stand underneath it. 100,000 people watching, millions watching, 
you got to stand your ground, and that's what oh, it's all about. Dear. And you did, and you paid the price, and you're prepared to stay in the trenches. In 2003, you were chosen on the wing in Hawthorne's official team of the 20th century. Just amazing. In the 1990s, Gibbo, um, you appeared with Dermy, with Dermot Brereton, in a rugby league charity match, and you scored a try. Was that was that a <laughs> Wally Lewis charity match? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Wally uh, uh, announced his, uh, his retirement, and we played three games, and uh, we played up at uh, up at the Gold Coast up there, and uh, yeah, I scored a try. What, what's wrong with that? Well done, absolutely. <laughs> well no, done. I, there was a little YouTube. No, so I, I did see something. I, I remember that when that happened, and uh, I um I watched a little. There's a little yeah. uh, episode on YouTube which yeah. I watched. Yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, we yeah. had for Ray Martin. Uh, yeah. I was uh, I was doing work with Ray Martin. They filmed it. Yeah, you had some pace. <laughs> well, I'm definitely a big fan, but I've got to tell you, I got set up by you boys. Oh, my God, I got set up. Uh, is it Marty Bella? Is it Mark Bella? Yeah. Martin Bella, yeah. yes. Martin, a big fan, right? Yes. So what happened, um, uh, I was uh, I was set up. They go, righto, what are we going to do? We're going to Mark Ella has thrown the ball to me to the left. He goes, mate, you went to the left. The boys are going to open up and you go through, right? I said, right, no worries at all. Righto, here we go. So Jim, I jumped down there, they opened up, you let my Bella come right through me. <laughs> Not good, huh? <laughs> I got set up by Mark Ella. Uh, I'll never, I've never forgotten him for that. You simply go to locatenegotiate.com.au. John Gibson's locatenegotiate.com.au. Buyer's agent, seller's advocacy, consultancy and research advice. LocateNegotiate.com.au. You're talking real estate with John Gibson. Dipper, in 2019, you've been hosting the TV series Dipper's Backyard Barbecue Wars. Barbecue Wars. How's the show going and how did this kick off? Actually, I remember, um, can I just, I remember watching one of the the episodes and, uh, you know, it was. uh, I remember watching the guy who, who cooked the the hanger steak, the butcher's steak. Yeah, and butcher's uh, steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I thought, geez, that's not a bad one. I'm like, uh, it actually wasn't a prime cut of steak, but this guy he actually delivered something pretty. Uh, pretty well, barbecue has become huge around the world, especially like in Texas and in America and whatever. Yeah. And and we love our barbecue. Yeah. Our barbecue was always, you know, open a barbecue up. Put your snags down, whatever. Stand there with a couple of beers and keep turning them, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, until they're burnt, right? <laughs> That's what yeah. we do with barbecues. But so um, I've got a production company, and uh, we run a, a, a few a few shows, and and uh, I've just I've just finished one with Alan Border. We've just done a caravan show where I'm down this way. We go to a lot of places and show at the areas, and we do barbecue on the beaches and whatever. And Alan Border's up at uh, up in Queensland doing the same thing. Uh, but this all happened because of a barbecue. Someone said, oh, we should have a barbecue dipper. And I said, yeah, you know what, I've got a bit of an idea. Then a guy called Jason Kennedy, we got together and um, and we got some teams and loved it. And I've learned so much about barbecue. And, and uh, it's amazing when people come up to you and they go, hey, dipper, dipper. Yeah. I think they're talking about footy or whatever. No, no, I want to talk about barbecue. barbecue. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Mate, I, I tried that the other day, the pork ribs. Yeah, oh, I'll have yeah. with the pork ribs, and, you know. Yeah, can it's I? Really nice. Really I, nice. I, I, on Instagram, one of my favourite things to do is to watch people with all their reels of how to barbecue and and the best way to to cook a steak. Now, 
how do I go here? A mate of mine, another lady that we might get on the show at some stage, a mate of mine's sister, her name is Courtney Rolston, and she's of MasterChef fame. And she said, if you've got good steak, good Australian meat, all you want to do is use a really, really hot plate, olive oil, and good Australian rock salt. How am I going so far? So far, you're going really well. So far, you're going really well. But what? these days, as well, you got rubs and all the bits and pieces that you can put Now you them. sound like Joe Rogan. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, no, no, no. Before, uh, you know, just the steak is just like, uh, you know, just salt, hot plate, in and out, done. And that's what you need. But there's yeah. other other things with rubs now with with uh, with uh, all the you know pork ribs and uh, and you know, pulled pork and whatever. Now it's a, it's a great way to have a Sunday afternoon. I'm hungry. <laughs> you know, Sunday morning you put everything on. You leave it for three four hours, and then when anyone comes around, you pull it out and go there you are. You know? Just out of I'm going back here because I just love you talking barbecues. It's so topical, and it's it's just you're right. It's become really fashionable. And I'll give do an that. eye. I do that on the pork. Yeah, pork. pork yeah, you know, and yeah. To put the rub on it and do all that. Yeah. It's fantastic. You said you're in LA. I got a, last time I was in LA. I was about a week before the world shut down. Basically, I went to a steakhouse there up near up on the boulevard Bower, Bower, and they made the Caesar salad at the table. I tell you what, it was a lovely steak, but my goodness, I'm still paying for it. Um, yeah, <laughs> they 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 know how to do a steak, don't they? They they do, and they're big. Everything's big yeah, in America. That's right. Absolutely, salad's big, the coffee's big. So, you know, steaks are huge, burgers are big. Yeah, but if I just give some advice, just every now and then, I know things are tough for some some families with us. But buy yourself a really nice piece of meat, right? Mm-hmm. You know, spend a little bit on your meat and you'll enjoy a beautiful, beautiful uh, dinner, you know. Well, you're a, thorough, you're a thorough gentleman. This is Talking Real Estate with John Gibson. Our point of difference is our special guest and our special guest today, none other than Dipper Domenico. And uh, we can't thank you enough. I know you've got busy commitments. Um, John, your final word and a, and a, and a goodbye for, for Dipper. Absolutely, Dipper. I know you're flat out today, mate, and uh, thank you for your time. And uh, I look forward to catching up soon. I think we've got a – I'm going to the, the good blokes um, – Golf, the golf day. Yet. Yeah, the golf day up in Sydney. Uh, I think it's yeah, very September. shortly with yeah, Pumper, yeah. the great Pumper. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll be. He's uh, one of our yeah. great ambassadors. He loves his golf. Actually, I think I'm. I, 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 I'm turning up to that event, but I, at the last of Good Blokes event, I did buy something. I think Bumper's hosting a little barbecue. Actually, Pumper. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm. I'm. I'm attending that one. Yeah, I'm attending that one too. Don't worry about oh, that. Well, well, if Pumper's got no idea how to cook. I'm, <laughs> He's on the foil, like he's the, so he's the foil. I'm the one who's cooking, you know. But uh, anything that we can do where we can raise awareness, anything that we can do uh, about getting people to, uh, you know, live a healthier life, always great to be involved. And thanks very much for your time, boys. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Debo. Chat soon, mate. Good on you. No this worries. See, is- boys. Thank you. There he is, Dipper. What a character. This is talking real estate, John Gibson. Uh, wonderful. We better talk some real estate after this. Absolutely, mate. That was a great, great yarn. Always uh, good to have a good guy on to have a good chat and um, just see their journey. Yeah, lovely and humble. Talking real estate with John Gibson, Mark Warren, your co-host. Back with more in just a moment. Talking real estate. 
Talking Real Estate with John Gibson, Managing Director, locatenegotiate.com.au. Go there today. Buyer's agent, seller's advocacy. He's your man, John Gibson, industry leader. A big win for Albo and the Labor Party. Well, I'm going to... That's a question John's in charge of editorial here. It's a big win for him personally, uh, uh, out of public housing and uh, his mum, his idol. Um, uh, in regards to it being a, a big win, you know, they, I think they got 37%, the Liberal Party 41%, uh, and they form majority government on the back of a preferred two-party preference vote. Um, and I'm probably showing that I was into the election a little bit. Big for him personally, yourself, John, your thoughts on the election? Are you a fan of him? I heard he's a good person, but I just worry whether he's going to be able to... Um, deliver. Deliver um, without, if he's smart, uh, getting on side with, if you like, moderate Liberals to get things through Senate because I'm worried about the Greens. I'm worried about the Greens. Oh, well, it'll all come out in the wash, mate. You just wouldn't be able to have some clean air and they can make this... Make some uh, make some decisions and get yeah. get some progress going. Yeah. But um, I guess it was no real surprise at the end that they got in. I just hope that our. Do you think Mr. Morrison suffered, Gibbo, because of perhaps pandemic fatigue? Mate, look, you could dissect it as much yeah. as much as you want, but uh, it is what it is. It just happened, and uh, I'll look back and do a post mortem, no doubt. Mm. Um, and. Point, does, the fin- it, point the fingers at a few people, but it, look, I just hope that Albert goes in his new gig with as much same gusto, smarts, and uh, dedication as he has for his music and mm. the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Yeah, I, I, I knew a girl that was um, a PA to two former prime ministers, including Mr. Hawke, and she said that Bob Hawke always had huge, huge raps on our on Albanese. So I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, and he yeah goes for the bunnies. So we'll talk to Henry Morris and see if we can't get the PM there to one of the men of league days at the juniors. Yeah, it'll all come out in the wash. Yeah, what have you written here for me? Some politicians are people who, when they see the light at the end of the tunnel, they go out and buy some more tunnel. I like that, John. Can I say you wrote that for me? But I'm taking that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Actually, someone told me once yeah. that pol- politics is like. Looking for trouble, finding it, misdiagnosing it, and then misapplying the wrong remedies. Yeah, something like that. It's very deep, John. It's very deep. You like it? Oh, I like your one you've written me here about seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and then buying some more tunnel. That's what I like. <laughs> Have they held enough seats to lead properly, which we touched on at the top? First of all, mate. I'm not an expert in politics, mm-hmm. but I want to be. Mm-hmm. But I think most people, you know, I, I think that they will... Uh, it looks like they've got uh, enough votes to be able to make some decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to do deals. Yeah. I think you wrote here, I'm just looking at your notes, um, the last thing we want is a hung parliament. Well, minority government. Mm. Um, We're on the verge. Well, the thing is, is that I, I just, I think that both some bipartisan support from the Liberal Party, the Liberal Party, um, obviously they'll have their agendas, and Labor will have theirs. Uh, Albert, as he said, he wasn't doing deals with the Greens. It's going to be very, very hard for him not to. Well, I guess that uh, that's the rough and hard-paced world of politics. So you've got to do deals, and you've got to learn to be able to negotiate.
I'm listening to Ben Fordham on 2GB873. <laughs> G'day, Benny. LocateNegotiate.com.au LocateNegotiate.com.au proudly present John Gibson talking real estate. Simply go to LocateNegotiate.com.au It's often said that property prices will increase under a Liberal government, but tank more so under a Labor government. But historically, is that really the case? We had a bit of a chat about this before we hit the air this morning. Good coffee downstairs too. It was. It was all right. But, mate, you can go back decades. The market has endured peaks and troughs regardless of which side of politics was in power. So what I'm saying is is that the broader economic conditions, such as interest rates, which are largely influenced by global factors, Mm -hmm. are far more important in dictating property prices than any one side of politics. Okay. You mentioned interest rates. Can I stop you there? Stay with me. So as someone who is refinancing right now, (laughs) interest rates, and they're predicting perhaps three hikes in 12 months, Mm. what do you do when the variable rate has come down, the fixed rate has gone up? Um, And if you took the fixed rate, if you took the fixed rate, I think the best you're going to do now is about 3.9%. Yeah, well, I think we, you talk to me about this on, almost on a daily basis at the moment, don't yeah, you? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's got me edgy. Okay, let me, I know, I know we talked about do I go variable, do I go, do I lock it in? Yeah. Do I fix rate? Yeah. Why don't you try and just split it? Do half variable, half fixed. Can I do that? Well, you've got a good broker, haven't you? Got a great Ask broker. Ask a question. Okay. Well, I'm asking you. I know. Okay. All right. Get it fired up. I'll be asking you tomorrow. Have you rung that broker? Yeah. Well, I'll be speaking with that person. Very good. Sorry for digressing. So getting back, surely government will play some part in all of this. What Liberal and Labor have both done for decades, Yeah. look, a lot of the economists will tell you this, yeah. is constantly add to buyer demand through a combination of growing first homeowner grants and schemes, as well as maintaining property tax concessions or contributing to rising property prices. So so what I'm look, contrary to popular belief, Mm. federal elections don't have all that much impact on housing cycles. Mm. And that's a fact. Facts Factors such as credit availability, the cost of debt and economic factors mm-hmm. are far more important. Okay. Thank you for being so assertive on that. Appreciate it. I've done my own work, mate. Haven't you? So what you're saying is uh, the major influence, it's not who's in power in Canberra, but where we are in the economic and interest rate cycle. Absolutely. Okay. I'm just looking here. Um, at the end of the day, you, you, you talk about both sides are guilty of wanting prices to go up in the real estate sector. Oh, there really appears to be more votes for rising prices than mm. falling prices at the end of the day. So, Gibbo, no changes to negative gearing as such? 
in the previous election, yeah, he voted in the Labor Party were going to limit negative gearing to only new housing. Okay, so does this include? This is, pre- this is the previous election. Yeah. So now will this include existing property? Well, all investments made prior to this date yeah. would not have affected by the changes and would have been fully grandfathered. I like that word, grandfathered. I like it. You did say that. Yeah, I, I do. I like it. You could say guarantee. But so you, are you going to use that word? I am. Good. Do you think Labor have an agenda to make some changes? Look, I think that remains to be seen. Oh, look, I, I, I'm thinking not, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the uh, the first term at least. Uh, if they get another another term, they may look at it. Uh, I don't think they will be want to make change too soon. Um, on the back of the property market has eased back to a more traditional market. It's not a robust market at the moment. It has come back a bit. So I don't think that they want to sort of touch it up too much. You mentioned property coming down. Has it plateaued or the, the Sydney market? Has it plateaued a little? Oh, it's definitely come off the boil. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the auction clearance rates, they've come off. But the data we're looking at... yeah is data which, you know, we've, we've just had an election, federal election. Yes. Every federal election, about a month leading into it, the property market comes off the boil. Historically? Yeah, it just does. Well, that's what the punters want to hear, Gibbo. So, you know, I think we've got to see how things roll in the next month. Mm. Yes, interest rates are going to have an effect on the market. How well, much will the handbrake come on Remains to be seen. Yeah. Certain segments of the market are going to continue on going strong, in my opinion. Stay with that word, interest rates. Two words. What's triggered this? Look, they were prompted by a higher than expected rise in inflation, mm-hmm. fueled by supply chain shortages, mm-hmm. international events, and strong domestic demand. Okay, That's pretty much what you put it down to. It makes, again, you're talking common sense. Construction challenges are starting to emerge. What's driving this? Well, anyone who's looking to undertake some sort of build now mm-hmm. will tell you there are headwinds to be navigated. Small to medium large builders, they're all going to be affected. And the supply and demand is just oh, so hard. Look, importantly, the demand for builders and materials far outstrips the availability supply of both. Mm-hmm. So anyone with an inkling of economic nows will tell you that means higher costs and longer project times. The price of timber, looking at some of your notes here that you provided. Mate, it's almost it's actually almost doubled. Like I've spoken to people, it's at least some people say sixty percent, seventy percent, it's all but some people are saying it's almost doubled. And um, I know a roofer has had enormous issues getting, you know, roofing insulation mm-hmm. uh, for his commercial fit outs. Never ever had a problem with that. There's always mm-hmm. been a ton of it around. He's just, you know, materials are very hard. You see electrical companies, you know, they certain materials are glass. The glass, like I tell you, um, I was in the city the other day and uh, looking at some um, office space for some clients, and uh, one of the uh, when people are doing uh, office fit-outs, mm-hmm. glass. There's a little worry that there's going to be a glass shortage. So people doing, you know, all their 
fitting out all their offices and high percentage of the supply the demand and also uh, because of what's happened glass, in the last three years to get in. A lot of glass made overseas and bought in. Wow. So it's, it's, a, it's a massive problem. This is Talking Real Estate with John Gibson. I'm your co-host, Mark Warren. It's locatenegotiate.com.au. Buyer's agent, locatenegotiate.com.au. Seller's advocacy, it's locatenegotiate.com.au. Consultant research service, locatenegotiate.com.au. Commercial tenancy representation, locatenegotiate.com.au. Or give the team a call, 1300 008 006. That number again, 1300 008 006. Leasing activity in office blocks in the city? Yeah, look, it's very interesting at the moment because pre, and we've talked about this uh, previously in podcasts, but the uh, a lot of the institutional owners, the, the ones who own buildings in the city, um, pre-COVID, when yeah. companies were looking for office space, the trend was that they go in and just see an empty shell and then they would then uh, do a deal and then they go and fit it out themselves. But a lot of these institutional owners are trying to come up with ways to get people back into the offices. So what they're doing is they're fitting them out themselves. They're just putting a lot of thought and effort into the, the, the design of how um, companies want to set up their offices yeah, and they're taking a bit of a punt because it's not going to suit everyone but you'll go into an office and it's basically completely fitted out with furniture, offices and they've got like chill out sections. Yeah, I see that. Chill out rooms, comms rooms, gyms, lockers, well, change rooms. Well, that's some of the buildings but the, yeah. the offices themselves will have, you know, kitchens and, you know, eating areas and areas you can just chill out in, more open space. Um, and just where companies can just go in, look at the space and go, right, we'll take it. They can just basically move their business in there, plug in and play. And a lot of the buildings in the city now are going to, what they're trying to do is go to the extra length of um, putting in bite lockers, change rooms downstairs. People want to go to the gym at lunchtime, they come back and have a shower. Even in some buildings they'll put in gyms. Uh, one in particular in the, I think it was in Blythe Street, Blythe Chambers building, um, they've putting in, um, they've got a squash court. Hmm. Well, it's been in there for years, but they're yeah. refurbing the whole area yeah. just to make it attractive. Um, and the, and some floors of some buildings are even putting in that sort of, um, um, sort of office space where you can just uh, go in and just lease out an office and it's very high-end um, type office space where you can just basically lease a room mm-hmm. but have, you know, have like a butler service where people, you know, you have clients in there, you, the butler will come around and you can... Uh, the changing landscape. Coffee, you can have a drink, you can have a cocktail, whatever you like. Yeah, the changing landscape when it comes to leasing activity. What about retailers that rely on office workers? Well, I think that retail has been very tough for them uh, over there because of the shutdowns and COVID and everything like that. But the interesting one for retailers, especially in that CBD areas, where they rely so much on foot traffic. You're talking about Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, Yeah, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne. Yep. Look, Sydney, 
and Melbourne seem to be attracting a lot more people yeah. back to the to the CBD. Then Melbourne's a bit of a slow mover, um, getting people back into the office space. But the retailers in there, they rely so much on those office workers, and um, I really feel for them. Um, and you still go in there, and still some some retail shops are still shut. Yeah. Others are opening up. Um, restaurants are seem to be um, getting into the the groove again and mm-hmm. getting a lot of customer base back. So um, at the end of the day, it will work. Uh, I think most people are going to be um, working. Uh, companies will allow – it'll be like a hybrid model where instead of people working five days a week, they're going to come in like three days a week and work two days at home. I think that's the new normal. Okay. Okay. Um, turning the page literally, literally, just put my teeth back in. No jokes there, John. No. Uh, um, with everything that's going on around us domestically and overseas, any real changes in the resi market from our last podcast? Not really, but uh, in housing, I think that it's been, it's come off the boil more than any other capital city is probably Melbourne. So, and, and, down in your country, the Southern Highlands has come off the boil a bit. Southern Highlands, not my country. I'm west of Anzac Parade. You mean you mean Riverina and down that way? Uh, no, no, to Southern Highlands. Oh, how is it? This? Yeah, okay, all right. Well, and border, units, bordering and units, on and border. units and units in Melbourne have come off the boil a bit, and and, and and I did mention that Canberra has come up as come off the boil as as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're struggling over supply. So a declining um, market, no, Melbourne, Southern Highlands, and units again, Melbourne but and this Canberra. Month, this yeah. month will be one month, and the following month will be the one to watch, mm-hmm. just to see if any of these areas are at uh, rising market, peak of market, you know, are going to start coming off the boil uh, more. So it'll be uh, watch this space. So summing up. Uh, the short answer, a declining market, houses, Melbourne and the Southern Highlands, units, again, Melbourne and Canberra. Time to finish this up, this episode, Talking Real Estate with John Gibson. I'm your co-host, Mark Warren, proudly brought to you by locatenegotiate.com.au. It's time for Gibbo's weird, random, crazy real estate facts, which I, I keep changing the name of the title. What do you got for me this week, Jonathan? Have you heard of Doomsday Bunkers? I saw a, 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 I saw a little story on Fox News Channel recently, yeah. I think you've been watching a couple of those on something on Netflix or No, Stan. no, it was Fox News. Fox yeah. News Channel, yeah. yeah. Oh, very good, very yeah, good. But yeah. uh, business is booming in the US, mm-hmm. these bunkers. But we're a bunker. Yeah, there's one uh, company in, in Texas and they've reported that sales have spiked a thousand percent mm-hmm. um it's ever since the uh, the russian invasion of ukraine yeah and um you can buy like the amount of money people are spending on these things you know you can for a bunker how much I can mean, i get, get into get, a bunker well for? you could get you could you get in something where you couldn't swing a cat in you know for about 40 grand up to about nine or nine or ten million and design basically design your own bunker and Nine million yeah. for a bunker. Yeah, something you may not ever use. And uh, it's... Do you, but actually, I've got to ask, do you actually, when it gets down to that, do you actually want to be yeah. on the planet Earth? What, what's your... What's it's your not quali- going to be, like, what do you come out of this bunker and what's left? Correct. 
That's where my life. mind goes when I see these stories about bunkers. What's 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 left for us if we come out of the bunker? <laughs> not a lot. Very good. I'm glad I'm not there. It's straight away, I saw, sorry, this is, this is good, but at some stage you've got to come out of the bunker. Make sure you take your, your, your fruit seeds, your vegetable seeds, all that sort of stuff, mate. Speaking you know. of bunkers, you're off to New Zealand as we dropped and you're over in Queenstown playing golf, so good luck and stay out of the bunker. Jeez, your, mate, your comedy is just going from strength to strength, mate. I think it was a segue think or a pun even but john gibson talking real estate i'm your co-host mark warren proudly brought to you by locatenegotiate.com.au until next time my friend and when we do it all again it's bye for now see you marks good chatting